Hello, friends, and welcome. This is Tales from the Secret Cabin podcast. My name is Phil. Thrilled to be here. We've got uh, KJ, Jenny, Dudley. Welcome back. Uh, just ready for a yeah another fun conversation. So, uh, how are we doing? How was the week? It's been a week. Why? Well, no, I'm just saying it's been a whole week since we've been here. Literally, exactly. <laughs> Literally, it's been a week. I know. I'm I'm with Dudley. He said I have to think about it. Um, it's good. So, what defines a good week? <laughs> Do you define it by good moments or by the lack of bad moments? Ooh, probably the lack of bad okay, moments. All right. <laughs> I would define it in forms of advancement. Like, do I feel as if I've advanced forward? Or have I... Wait, wait, no. I don't have to advance forward. There just has to be things that cause... I could advance back and say, I think I had a great, great experience. It, I was forced to sit down. I was forced to think. Uh, or there are those times that, that I advance forward. Uh, I've been in a spot that I feel like that I was forced to sit and to think and to be quiet. And um, it, uh, it's been good. I've been enjoying it. I think one of the things that comes to my mind is how memorable was the past week? So just um, before we started, I said, well, what, what happened this past mm -hmm. week? And then I thought, oh, I had a really good group on Monday night, a Zoom group with some people. That was really good. I had some good runs. I really felt like good about running. Uh, that was memorable. We had a great weekend with um, um, this uh, sponsoring of uh, children, Compassion Children in uh, Latin America and Peru. So, yeah, it was a good yeah, week nice. for me. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, so in the Memorable. same same idea, I had baby kale for the first time compared to just kale, and I was blown away. And I thought, wow, it's as healthy as kale, but it tastes incredible. And I celebrated that. I also had a super good cup of coffee on Tuesday. I sat there and I almost cried because I thought, I think I'm having the best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. Wow. What made it so good? Were you with someone? No. Just I by was yourself? by myself. No. I, was, I was by myself just hanging out and I brewed this cup of coffee and I thought, I'm pretty sure this is the best cup of coffee I've ever what's had. Your, what's your brew technique? What do you... Like when you say you brew, it's just a pot of coffee? Yeah, it's just a pot over? of coffee. I don't do anything <laughs> special. Drip. I okay. am not like some, you know, coffee hipster. But like it was, there's just something about it that I was just like, man, this is really good. And that's it. That's all I got. So, I mean, yeah, great. I think it's funny. You, I'm going back to your question. Was it the lack of bad moments or the moments? But if I really, you know obviously had a few seconds to think about it. I had some really good conversations with some girlfriends this past week that every once in a while I have friends that do kind of these like truth bomb drops, you know, they'll just say something that, that hits me in it. And I had a couple of those this week. And so nice. I'll consider that good. All right. Good. I, I want to hear a, a mm. truth bomb, one truth bomb. That has been dropped. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think, I, I don't know if this is a mom thing, if this is a female thing, I don't know what it is, but you kind of start to measure how you're doing in 
all the kind of areas of your life. So like, you know, how well am I doing at home? How well am I doing at work? How well am I doing as a wife, as a mom, you know? Yep. And you have this like constant measurement. Um, and I was, I was talking with a girlfriend talking about how like, I feel like I'm, I'm killing it in this area, not killing it in this area. And, um, and she said to me, she's like, and how, how do you, feel about that and I was like well I, I mean I want to be doing good in all the areas and everything and she was like yeah and one of the areas I was struggling with was parenting and just not feeling like being attentive and everything and she was like and, but I feel like I'm doing really good at work <laughs> she was all you're not molding the people at work like, yeah, you are. Where, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna say you are. Wait you, a minute. yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I don't I know think, if that's a truth I think bomb. It's okay. Well, no. What she said was, she was like, that's that's where you really need to be pouring and not killing yourself to do so. You know, everything's so great at work. Like you're molding these people. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, D's get degrees. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it was just such a great perspective of like, you know, it's work's gonna be fine it's going to be fine. There's a team there, you know, and everything, but like, this is all I've got with the, you know, it's, yep. it's me. I'm the mom. That's it. You know? And obviously you have a partnership and everything with dad, but like, I'm it, I'm their mom. There is no other person that can come in and do that. And so I, it was just, it was, it was a truth bomb for me of like, Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's awesome. Good job. All right. So something else that, Happened this past week. It's very fun. Jingle. We, we had a jingle. We had like this <laughs> incredible <laughs> uh, text stream, polo stream that was just going nuts about it. But we had our very first. Actually, we had two very first handwritten notes we that showed up. Details from the secret cabin. It was awesome to receive that. So. Thank you, first of all, whoever you it was are. Anonymous. This, this was yeah. anonymous. It was actually a couple. And I, I, I gotta say, I got it, and I I began to cried just we a little bit <laughs> i was really and then i took a photo of it and i sent it to everybody and i was like look and everyone started exploding about it like oh my gosh oh my gosh someone did it someone did it and it was so fun so thank you i so think that was with kj when he opened that letter he ripped oh. it like yeah, he, he ripped, ripped it the envelope with my teeth. <laughs> exactly just kidding exactly <laughs> and then teeth. then he read it and i read it there were two letters and it was really beautiful so yeah, again beautiful. just a quick Wonderful. backstory in case uh, you're not aware we um we kind of threw it out there that this uh, the, one of the dreams of the podcast has always been a conversation not just with the three of us or four of us or whoever but th there truly is a conversation with people who are a part of this and listening and and to do that uh, this idea of handwritten notes kind of fits the theme of the secret cabin and turn of the century and just creating moments of pause and reflection that sort of handwritten note to do and so again for the the people who, who did that thank you very much um, and just I don't know I wanted to take a quick moment for those who had a chance to, to read it uh, just to kind of reflect on it mm -hmm. uh, there were uh, for me at least in reading these notes uh, they, I think they both were coming out of the the theme of curiosity yeah so just what are you curious about and they kind of reflected on that. I want to interrupt in the theme of curiosity the people who did it on purpose cut out like who they are That's like they um, and I'm curious of who they were and right. it's it's people that that are from Denver. Denver. We don't know that. Yeah. They dropped it's the mail off. It's in Denver. Who knows where they're they from? They could yeah. have been right. from, uh, I don't know, like Arizona, <laughs> drove up to Denver <laughs> exactly. and dropped it off to conceal their identities. Exactly. 
I, anyway, I'm curious. Well, they could have been flying through DIA and dropped them off there on their way to Portland. Yes, I think but they're we're not going down from Portland. <laughs> they are from Pennsylvania. They they stopped stopped at DIA <laughs> and are on the way to Portland. Exactly. This is so not wrong. No. <laughs> I I think what I appreciated, and it's funny because when we talked about you know it's got to be a handwritten letter, you know, and everything. The uh, the the car, one of the cards in there said like you have asked me to do my love language yeah. handwritten letters and I think there's really something about that and in reading it I thought it was very interesting that it's just a stream of consciousness I mean you're just you have no you can't edit you know like if you're typing an email out or something you'll go back reread it change things move things you know but it's just like nope this is what this is my thoughts and this is what's going down on paper and that to me was really cool like no edits yeah and I was it's like unfiltered I also thought it was cool that the the people who did it they were a couple and and they each did their own and and so it isn't like they did it together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they did their own and they put their thoughts down on paper and they sent it here to add to the conversation that's being held so so in that that idea are there quotes or things that have been brought up by the curious couple? I'm going to say that. The, the curious, curious couple. couple. <laughs> are there things that have been brought up that are inspiring to our conversation today? Here's, here's one thing uh, that at least stoked a question in my mind. Do-do-do-do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, both letters, I think we're speaking to the question of human capacity. So this capacity for good, this capacity for evil, and wrestling with the tension that COVID has brought. Uh, I know one of the letters particularly was talking about the beauty of creation mm-hmm. and just the, the, the majestic experiences they've had with you know the mountains or just you know I'm thinking even this morning like this incredibly ble- beautiful snowfall, and then it's this weird um, tension of of a a God who creates that, but then also we as humans have the capacity for so much hurt and so much um, uh, evil as well. And so anyways, how that adds to the conversation today, I don't know other than uh, I just kept reading these letters and thinking through this, this tension of capacity and how we, in every moment we have the capacity for both. Mm. And what does it mean to choose beauty over not and that kind of thing? What does it mean to choose beauty? And is beauty choice? Oh, it's that, that that idea of choice. Is, uh, it, it is. Uh, it, it's a perspective. I would say it's a perspective. It isn't this this choice of embra- well, It could be an embracing. I, I'm thinking about Deuteronomy six four. The uh, the idea um, that God is. Uh, God is whole or God is fun um, um, for our culture it's it's often said that it's it, they take that passage and they'll say well God is the only God and, and that isn't the, the idea of the verse the idea is that God is one he is a hundred percent he is whole he is holy he is the complete 
complete of all thing um, that, that that everything balled up if if someone could ball up all things that that, that, that are mm-hmm. God is mm-hmm. 100% whole holy good beauty and then the Hebrew people they would say that everything that has been created has been created by him and through him uh that's i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's this huge thing and and they always say that all things that are are a shattered piece a a part of the hundred percent that in whole capacity is holy but in shattered form is broken and it's all about finding the place that it is and the ownership of the origin and it, it goes then into this idea of platonic theology right of like this idea of the origin of the things that are bring purpose to the things and so in this idea of beauty and goodness and the capacity I don't know if it's capacity it's more of perspective of the origins and I don't I don't I'm I'm just kind of like spiraling here it's the the problem of pain it's how can god be good if there's mm-hmm. there's pain but the hebrew people would say there is pain because god is good because there is whole there is 100% there also is the shattered and the broken that points towards the whole and the things that are and brings us to where we need to go in terms of developing or finding wholeness or integrity which is wholeness wholeness exactly exactly just a little bit kind of different from what you're saying kj i was thinking um as as phil brought up the this contrast between kind of the good and the evil and the letter um, it reminded me that just this morning I was reading in like the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, about King Hezekiah, and he is going to his you know Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, and he um, he writes a letter and he lays it out before God and he pleads that uh, God would like spare him and spare Jerusalem. And uh, he's sick and about to die, and God says, okay, I'm going to, you're going to live. But he squanders the next years of his life because he doesn't li- live in a, in, a, in a way of wholeness or of goodness. Um, and so there's this, like, wanting to live but not using the, the time well. Mm. And I, somehow I think that fits into this whole conversation. We, we want to live well, and we want to... Um, not squander our days, which is, isn't that kind of the definition of the good week? You lived well, you didn't squander the days. Uh, so those are some of the thoughts that are going through my mind uh, a little bit here. Interesting. That's great. Well, again, uh, curious couple, thank you yes. for being the first ones. And it, it kind of sparked a, a hope or a dream for me that 
if uh, if we can get more people to write letters, uh, maybe we can even devote an entire you know podcast just to opening letters and reading letters and letting that go mm-hmm. to see where it goes. So I'll, I'm going to throw out the address one more time, um, just for people. It's 1301 15th Street, Greeley, Colorado 80631. And if you do put your name and return address, we would probably respond with a handwritten letter as well. But in this case, we couldn't do that. Um, but thank you, thank you. And honestly, I think there is a, uh, a potential connection. We'll see where this conversation goes. But I want to pivot just a little bit to um, the kind of the historical church calendar that we've been uh, navigated by uh, here for you know our time together. And specifically, not that we have done enough podcasts to actually have a special edition, but <laughs> every edition, every is edition special is special. Edition. Good, okay. good. Well, this is our version of a special edition. But because of Ash Wednesday and releasing this on Ash Wednesday, we wanted to to spend some time just going kind of down that road. And again, I'll I'll posture myself as the as the the questioner in this one. Um, I have experienced Ash Wednesday from afar, never. Um, personally, and so I literally know nothing about it. I'd love to hear a little bit of background as to what it is, why it exists, how it fits the bigger picture, that kind of thing. Well, let me answer that question for you. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) Go for it, Jenny, our resident expert. (laughs) I am, I'm, you're where you're at, and I'm probably a step behind you. (laughs) I'm the, uh, Ash Wednesday's a thing. I'm the, sir, you've got something on your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I want to be posturing as the poetic interpretation and I, I'm, I'm I'm very uh, uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about the place that I am at this point and so I'm gonna point to Dudley over here who oh, is no. the historian um, and so he can set the foundation I think and it will set us springboard for us to go off of suddenly you have a high expectation here and i was i was was thinking a little bit about jenny's comment and when i was a child and kids would come to school with something on their forehead and i could never figure that out and then somebody would say it's ash wednesday and the tradition that i was growing up well you didn't follow tradition (laughs) that was the (laughs) interpretation you don't follow tradition because we elevate the bible not the tradition and and so I, I, I kind of grew up with this like hesitancy or like being reticent to, to follow something that was, quote, traditional. But it's a beautiful tradition of, um, of um, fasting and setting up um, a, a passion to follow the passion of Christ. And I think that's kind of where it goes. It's from Ash Wednesday up to, um, up to Easter. And here is a time of preparation, a time of, of focus upon what, what, the cri- what the cross is all about or what Easter is all about. So that's kind of the direction that Ash Wednesday takes us. Yeah, but how did it begin? Paint us this picture biblically of the thing that holds it. If Advent is about John the Baptist, the shepherds, the the preparation for the birth of Christ. Tell me, tell me our posture here. You give me a little more background because I maybe Ash Wednesday is the advent of Easter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that. Um, So um, you left him speechless. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, So first of all, um, on this idea of tradition. 
tradition. A tradition that the church upholds is that all of the ashes that are are put on the foreheads of people are the palm branches that were burned the previous Palm Sunday. Um, So it transitions. It's this... The, the triumphal entry, the parade, the thing that you think came after um, the experience is setting the foundation for the thing that comes before. It's, it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, um, um, so it's typically 40 days. Um, there's this 40-day f- f- season um, and that is inspired by the 40 days of the temptation of Christ. Um, so um, just as Epiphany, a part of the Epiphany experience, it's John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yes. at that time, the, um, God himself is proclaiming, this is my son. And and in that is the great Epiphany, right? Is, is God himself is man. It's a beautiful thing, epiphany. And then following the baptism of Christ, he then goes directly out into the desert for 40 days. And during that time, he is tempted as far as his identity, as far as who he truly is. Who are you? Who am I? Like it's this this whole thing for 40 days and the dependence upon God to sustain him. Why? And so the whole 40-day experience actually goes back to the baptism of Epiphany, and that actually points back to everything in the Old Testament and the Hebrew people. Um, Because John the Baptist had been baptizing people in the Jordan for a purpose. Um, During the time of John the Baptist, there were baptisms all over the place. Like, baptisms are happening there in the temple and the temple courts and in the holy city uh but john the baptist is going back out into the desert back to the jordan to baptize and calling people out of the holy city why he's doing it for a purpose and then to think that jesus does not get baptized in the temple he does not get baptized in the holy city he follows the baptism of john out in the Jordan. And and so if someone goes to the place today on the Jordan that the church of John the Baptist uh, is, there is a city b- behind it on the other side. It's the city of Jericho. And and so so the place that John the Baptist had been baptizing had been across from the city of Jericho that goes to say that John picked the very place that the Hebrew people centuries before crossed over the Jordan into the promises of God. And he's calling the people back into that, into that very place. And Jesus got baptized there and goes back into the desert that the Hebraic forefathers had been at for 40 years. And so for Jesus to spend 40 days 
It's symbolic of the 40 years and the Hebrew people every day, uh, every day during the 40 years are held by God in the desert. The desert is called the desert because things don't survive there. Um, you don't survive in the desert. You die. Everything dies in the desert. And for the Hebrew people to survive for 40 years is incredible. Why? Because God gave them food. He gave them drink and he gave them a path to go on for 40 years. He gave them purpose in the Desert. And their purpose was that they got to understand who he is as g God, and they got to understand who they are as God's kids. And they came back from the desert as a powerhouse. And so Jesus goes to the Jordan in the same spot that the forefathers had crossed from the desert into the holy city and he goes into the desert this place that that people can't survive apart from god and he is tempted as far as the same things that the forefathers have been tempted in and he was sustained by god because if god didn't show up he would die and so the very idea of putting Putting ourselves in this place of the desert for 40 days, this place of pain and suffering and death and sacrifice and hunger, this is the essence of the season that all of us are about to go into. It's to say, God, show up. God, show up. And he shows up. Yeah, because if God doesn't show up in a that environment, it's very obvious, right? Yeah, if God doesn't right. show up, there isn't any food. If God doesn't show up, there isn't anything to drink. If God doesn't show up, there isn't any direction. If God doesn't show up, it's obvious. In our context, if God doesn't show up, how can you tell? I mean, like, honestly, how can you tell that God didn't show up? But going into a season of dependence, going into a season of, I'm going to be in a spot that God has to show up. And if he doesn't show up, it's going to be devastating to my soul. That's the 40 days. And that's a willful choice that we have to make on Ash Wednesday. Right. It's saying, I'm going into the desert. I'm going to ash to ash, dust to dust. Yeah. I will die out here if God does not show up. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank wow. you for sharing that like like that. Are there are there things that you've been thinking about to to kind of put you in that place for this 40-day period? Like practices or ideas or mindsets or rhythms? Nope. Um, <laughs> and I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just being very, um, I always have something huge I do. I um, have done a thing that in the past, so I would set up a tent outside for 40 days and I'd be outside and I would uh, be outside for 40 days. I have done the 40 day fast before. Um, 
I um I have in the past I have have embraced that idea of total um like pain and suffering and the absence of you know all things. Um I'm in a spot that that I think God is talking to me and it's like I I'm trying to protect that at all costs and I don't have the desire to uh to do anything different at this point. It's like, oh my gosh, I if he didn't show up today, I'm going to be able to feel that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of in this spot that I feel total de- dependence, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, does the coming in like the lint right when people give up something that's kind of that vein that that's going in or is that so it's supposed to be i mean like tell me about this yeah people are like i gave up pizza for lint you know like yeah it's supposed to be but it's turned kind of into something to say you know i feel obligated to give up something i feel obligated um but I think healthy Christian practice can't come from that. Mm-hmm. Healthy Christian practice has to come from like this, this hunger of, man, I, I desire to see the face of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if someone truly has this thing about pepperoni Papa John's pizza <laughs> that is, that has created this like this thing from seeing the. Ace of God, hey, hey, yeah. I mean, like, don't do your pepperoni pizza. (laughs) Um, But if that doesn't have totally anything to do as far as the pursuit of God goes, there's no point there. I'm thinking about, like, what you said, Jenny. It's trivialized. It's just something that we do. But this beautiful story that KJ has just laid out that gives us, I mean, a huge foundation, and if we work from that foundation out, then then it could be something incredibly meaningful and significant because we try to reflect on um, that whole pattern mm-hmm. that we see in um, in the in the, the Jews coming out of. Uh, uh, Egypt and wandering and then going into the promised land. We see that reflected in Jesus. Um, so there's this pattern that we willfully choose to follow in a in an incredibly significant way rather than just simply throwing out something for 40 days and then it's just trivialized mm-hmm. without, I mean, void of any real meaning. So I think, yeah, we have to get that story that KJ said. I mean, I, to me, that was a, a revealing and you know story, a beautiful. Mm-hmm. That if I can hold on to that and then make a decision for Ash Wednesday, based upon the the fundamental part of that story or that historical reconstruction, that's really good. Yeah, like I, I think like the idea of I'm going to give up pizza is something that the people in the holy city are going to say. It's the the people in the Holy City are like, well, you know, we don't really need to go out into the desert to experience, you know, dependence on God, you know. Uh, So I can do that here. We can do something very very easy. I can, Annabelle, it's it's turning these like gifts and and John the Baptist is like, no, come out here and experience uh, like the potency of the promises of God or or something like that. Like there's something about the calling into the 
desert. Like, come into the desert. And if God doesn't show up, you're going to be miserable. I think um, for those of us who are not really very involved in, like, Ash Wednesday and the period of Lent and we're not practiced at doing something like this, uh, we shouldn't set too high of a, an expectation. This is what I have to do. And then we miserably fail because we... Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So we have to start small with Pepperoni something. pizza. It's okay <laughs> to give up pizza for Lent. I know. I'm thinking... I'm sorry, I'm everybody. <laughs> I will not be in a tent for I'm 40 sorry. days. <laughs> so it's not so much what you so do. So it's okay to have pepperoni p- pizza yeah. you just can't put pepperonis on it you know like give up pepperoni get hate mail from. yeah i'm sorry <laughs> so i was just gonna say it's not so much what you do but that you do something and you do it with a particular framework in mind okay explain that, that. explain that well i'm just i'm thinking of this foundation that yep. you've laid out this historical background okay with that in mind this is yep. what i'm going to do right um but if we just decide to do something but we don't really care about thinking about the right. background right then we've just um done something without any meaning or yeah, without what, any purpose just yeah. to jump on that one of the the questions i had kind of coming into today knowing we were talking about this but not knowing what we we're going to talk about uh, i really was curious about um something kj you had mentioned back in the advent right this idea of a traditional church calendar reminds us of things we're forgetting yeah so this question's been rolling around my head okay what am i forgetting or what are we forgetting that i can can use the rhythms of the calendar to give me intention to say from this day to this day i'm gonna put a boundary on on my my life yep. whatever that is again adding something or taking something away but the framework is the question god wants to remind me of something yep and it's important that i use this season to do that that would be at least one example of that Mm -hmm. i think yeah and i think like um so it's it's very easy for us as followers of christ to to participate in something because of 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 simply that christ did it right so so you you do this 40 days things because Jesus, he did it. He was in the desert for days. I've heard, you know, people that they often say, I get baptized because he got baptized. And that's the thing we're pointing. Well, he got baptized because of the bigger story. Baptism and Jewish baptism had been around for centuries. And he was baptized. And, and so had the 40 days. And he was participating in the 40 days because others participated in the 40 days he did not create this it's not a brand new thing it was something he participated therein and pointed at and said there is value and growth here there's presence of god here there's identity here there's there's beautiful things here and so so, so thinking about the jewish people and the whole point of the 40 days for the Jewish people, the, the Hebrew people had been in, in captivity for a really, really long time. And the Jewish people, I mean, you just, the Jewish people had no idea who God is at that point. Like they had no idea um, who, who, who the God of their forefathers had been because they had been a part of a pagan culture for so long. And, and so after God set them free in the beginning 
of the whole journey as far as the Hebrew people, they, they are encountering a God that they have no idea who he is. And they are trying to figure out who is this God. And God at the same time is trying to show him, here's who I am. And they have this whole experience for 40 years and 40 in Hebrew is eternity. It's like forever. Um, that's the poetry behind 40. It's it was forever. And God had the Jewish people in the desert forever, sustaining them, teaching them, and the Hebrew people would fail, and he would teach them and parent them. And at the end of forever, he said, you're ready. Mm. And then he brings them to the Jordan. And I think the 40 days are all about God parent me. God, show me who I am. Show me who you are. Um, because Advent brings us to the birth of Christ. And a bunch of us celebrate Christmas and the birth of God. However, don't have any clue of who he actually is. And then the epiphany season comes and it's like here's here's here here is uh john the baptist and the sky opens up and you are god this is my son epiphany and that's like so tell me how that impacts us at all mm -hmm. and then you go into the 40 days of being handheld and fed and and taken care of then sustained by this God who is showing himself to you. All right, so let me ask this, because as I'm hearing us talk and, and trying to think through some of the implications of, of this kind of paradigm, because um, again, it's very helpful to hear this approach, because from an outsider's perspective, I've, I've probably seen it as sort of you pick your thing and then you basically you know grit your teeth for 40 days, get to the end of it and say you did it. What I hear us talking about, and, and KJ, even the last things you were saying there, is it's a 40-day discovery journey. Yeah. And that you, you, in some respects, won't even know what you're trying to do until you get to the end of it. Versus you have to get it figured out before you start the 40 days, and then you just kind of survive until the end. And I have a few examples in my life, not a lot, and I'm thinking, KJ, to your story, you probably have more. Uh, we probably all have examples here, but when you do something for 30 days, 40 days, uh, especially if they're in more of the disciplined kind of way, um, there's phases, there's rhythms to that, right? There's an intensity in the front end. There's there's almost a, you know, marathon runners, there's, a, there's this elevated state you get to where you feel like you could just run forever, you know, kind of thing. And I even wonder about that. Like, how does that influence a 40-day journey where it's not just, again, you're just... I don't know, stumbling across the finish line, but rather working your way up towards more of a, a moment that it's more of a, an epiphany again, basically at the end of 40 days or moments throughout the 40 days. I don't know if that connects at all in terms mm -hmm. of that, but just thinking through your tent, like I, I knew that was part of things you've done in the past and you've lived in the tent for 40 days. My guess is three weeks into it, you're like, this isn't so bad. You know, why not? I could do this for months, right? Because you, you, you've recalibrated yourself so much that going back out of the tent is actually a culture shock, right? You actually struggle with the re-entry after a 40-day thing, too. So, anyways, all that to say, how does discovery help us get into a season of Lent rather than a, a productivity-doing kind of thing where you just got to do it and that's the point? 
So I'm thinking about the image of the wandering in the wilderness for 40 uh, years. And what did the people of Israel discover along the way? Well, um, they discovered that God was the one providing for them. And uh, Jesus, in his 40 um, days in the wilderness, um, was nourished by the Word of God and by the Spirit. And I don't think it's coincidence for us that we also need to cultivate that relational aspect um, with God during a period of Lent. It's, it's a time when we have to just uh, somehow walk with God through that process. Not in a complaining kind of way like the people of Israel oftentimes did. Not always, but they would complain and it was that cycle of then seeing God provide. Um, so there's, there has to be something in terms of cultivating our relationship with God mm -hmm. so that it's not just a grin and bear it 40 days, but it's, right. a, it's a focus on God. It's a focus on the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. It's a hunger. It's, mm -hmm. I have this, this desire to be hungry again, and he feeds me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think yeah. I like what you said a while ago, Phil, where it's like, is it taking something away or is it adding something in? And I think, hmm. I think there could be something really special in that in in viewing it from that perspective that it's it's not this i go without but it's i search for more and i think oh, when that's so good when you were talking even about like what would i want what what would i be looking for in those 40 days and i think you know for my pers personality and um psychology i would want connection wherever that connection is, you know, that's what I would be longing for and probably needing the most to sustain me, to be my food, to be my yeah. drink, you know, is connection on some level. Does that have to be connection with God or with other people? Uh, well, I would hope that, <laughs> that my desire would be connection with God. Yes. But I, okay. I, can, I can completely get connection with God too with other people, so. <laughs> I was thinking about the comment that Phil brought up about towards the end, it's comfortable. Like you, you come in the spot. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I was thinking about um, the Hebrew people and the place they actually did, uh, like the place that that's home to them. Uh, did the holy city become a better home than the desert had been? And then this idea of the 40 years, the eternity, do the hearts of the Hebrew people, do the hearts of God's children always belong in the desert, but our bodies, they're in the holy city, um, but our hearts are in this posture of dependence for, for all things. And our calendar pattern, it's to bring us back out here because it's the place that I belong compared to I'm going to cut out something and then at the end I'm like oh thank god I can eat pizza again <laughs> um, it, so it's the so I don't think I'm supposed to eat pizza um, yeah. I mean I'm talking about right. it being a 
poetic thing. The poetry <laughs> is pizza. I love pizza. Um, it could be tacos. It could it's, be. <laughs> it's finding these like, oh, I am the child of God. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. All these things that I gave up, I don't think I'm ever supposed to pick back up again. And I'm oh. becoming or I'm, yeah, I don't know. That's good. I've never experienced that in Lent. It's always been the grin and bear it. Yeah, and, me too. You know? yeah. Right. I get to go back inside the house. It's been snowing. We haven't got into Tuesday yeah. night yet before yeah. Wednesday. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's this yeah. whole run up to the line. That's not biblical, though. Let's just, uh, I'm calling that out. Like, or, or it's man. like, well, on the weekends. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. As soon as the sun goes oh, down man. on Friday, yeah. you guys who do that, I don't oh, get it. we're all... I'm just sitting here kind of pensive at the moment because this is a profound discussion and you've opened my eyes a lot, KJ, on on the bigger picture here. And I think that's really significant. So thanks for that. This will be fun. This will yeah. be a different experience. Just like Advent was a different experience for me. Like this will be, yeah, a lot more in Right, let me let me throw out something, and we can literally choose. I to hope it's a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. <laughs> All this talk. You, we could uh, we could pot, we could not go here this time. We could talk next time about it, or we can dive into it or whatever because it, it may be a bigger thing. But uh, before we start the podcast, we were just talking, and KJ, I don't even know if you meant to talk about this, but it keeps rolling around in my head, and it was this whole area of confession and hmm. just the role that could play for us in this season. Um, and again, even specifically, even if there's just a moment of launch. So the, the passive aggressive part of me is like, I'm not doing this on Wednesday. I'm going to wait till Thursday, Friday or whatever. Right. Like I'm just going to do it by myself. If everyone else That's is right. doing on this day, I'll <laughs> do me. it as soon as the sun goes down exactly. on that day. Uh, just because I need that, that you know, punk rock sense of control. You're punk rock. But at some point I'm going to launch into this thing and it would yep. be fun to do that and to have something to kind of, and that's where I think the confession conversation might oh, might go. But anyways, thoughts yeah. on that? Thoughts on I, the role? You got to ask a question. The, the, I don't know <laughs> what that was, but that was a I think train of thought. It's a train of thought. It's yeah. well, again, we didn't explore it. I just yeah. you mentioned this is a season of confession or you said something in passing about the that man confession such a huge part of this and we forgot how to confess and, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you I don't know start talking about pizza or I don't know what you did at that point but it was just this moment like wow that's huge that's that's an important uh, thing that we could look at and maybe if, if you have nowhere uh, there's no baseline for you to start this in your life maybe confession could be a, a launching point for people wow that's big yeah I, I think in the 40 days. Um, the common practice that the church has engaged in since the beginning of the consumption of the church, it's it's during this time is this time of conf it, uh, people confess their sins. And um, and it's coming from the idea of being human. Um, so experiencing the hunger, experiencing the deprivation experiencing this idea of I'm a human being in a place that God has to show up for, for survival to happen. Here's the things I need. And here's the things I don't have. And, and if I don't, it's like that idea of des being desperate. Um, our culture, I think, compensates for our things, our, our sin, it comp compensates uh, for our places of 
brokenness. Um, and so it's very easy to cover up. It's very easy um, to sustain ourselves so that confession doesn't have to happen because our culture hates being embarrassed at the core. It's, it's vulnerability, embarrassment. Mm -hmm. It's the antithesis of covering up. And so, so it's a powerful thing um, to say it's the season of anti-embarrassment. <laughs> it's the season of vulnerability is our superpower. Uh, it's the season of like um, the things that have the biggest power over me. If I confess it, it falls to the floor. I mean, I'm doing a podcast and I can't talk. <laughs> like every time I get caught up on something, I feel it. It's embarrassing for me, but I'm putting it out there. Like it's the 40 days. And, um, and it's th this place of, I think that the church has gotten good at this. I'm going to be vulnerable and say, I'm just a broken person and that's it i'm broken i'm not perfect and blah 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 blah. but they don't name it they don't they don't say well here's how i'm broken here's the thing if i'm totally honest i'm really embarrassed of all the church is doing is i'm hurting i'm broken i'm a Sinner. You're saying because it's too general. Yeah, it's and so is general. everybody else. Everyone's a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we're all sinners. And we're all broken. Who cares? Because then our superpowers aren't special. I mean, like that's what I'd say. If if mm. everyone has the same vulnerable superpower, then it's not a superpower. It's just common. Mm -hmm. And our brokenness is unique, and it's embarrassing in that. So when Phil mentioned the. Um this idea of confession and that came up of course the first thing i think about is first uh, john 1 9 one of these early verses i memorized as a kid if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and i think that's a starting point for us all we confess to god um, and james talks about confessing to one another and I think that's another place to go. Um, but well, you're, you're absolutely right. It's the specific. Otherwise, it's the shame doesn't fall away. It stays hidden. It stays in the, in the dark. Uh, I, I, I brought along, I have, sometimes I wear this, it uh, reminds me of the Jesus prayer. Yeah. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of where, God. Where are you holding there? Have mercy on me. It's uh, like a prayer bracelet. Yeah. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me as sinner. Right. And I think um, that's a, a posture that we need to have during this time. Why? Yeah. I mean, here, here, here's, yeah. here's the thing I'm, I'm getting towards. Everyone talks about sin and confessing all the time, but they don't talk about why. It's, it's our sin is the very thing, our brokenness is the very thing that God sees and plants the seeds of the gospel in. It's like the soil that the Bible begins in and God forms people out of the soil, the dirt, and there's dirt in his fingernails and he breathes into that. Like that's the special thing. And the beginning of the gospel is confessing. 
And it isn't happenstance that the season after the 40 days is a season that the church typically celebrates as the gospel. Like, he has come back from the dead. I mean, like, that's it. And so, to sit in our brokenness for 40 days, day after day, being shown, oh, and there was this. Oh, and there was this. And there's this. And we're calling it out. And by the end, it's like, oh, man, I had no idea. And then Easter happens. Then all of a sudden, the songs on that day have power. Instead of it's just a Sunday that people talk about. the com- I mean, it, just, it gives it power because that's the place the gospel is born. And the gospel cannot be born in a place that's absent of confession. And there's a big difference between the spirituality of someone who is constantly in this posture of calling out who they are as a human being and someone who isn't. Someone who experiences the gospel firsthand and someone who has just heard of it. And they say, I, I've heard of the gospel. It's here. I, I adopt it. But then someone who experiences it, there is a potency that is born in the soil of confession. No, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, you, as you reflected on creation and, and God forming humanity and the, the dirt in the fingernails, um, and it's sin who, that brings division and um, separates us from wholeness and separates us from um, um, an integrated life. That's what sin does. And confession is peeling away the division so that we can actually experience wholeness. Because the more I hide my sin from you, the less of whole of a whole relationship we can have. We have a fractured relationship. And until that sin is confessed... There can't be integrity. There can't be integrity. And we can't have a real relationship. We have a fractured relationship. It's always going to be that. And I think that's part of the, the challenge in our churches today is we stay so general that we stay fractured. We don't really have wholeness. And um, that's the beauty of what, you know, in James, I think it's where it says we confess our sins one to another. Um, that's in the smaller context of a few people, isn't it? I, I can't confess all of my sin to, uh, you know, thousands of people, but if there are three or four that I'm talking to, there's a sense of wholeness and of integrity again. So I, that's where I'm going with this, with the idea I of confession. Yeah. I love it. So, no, great stuff. This is a, a really fun launching point and I think a great invitation to discover and um, kind of step into this new season together. So I don't know, Dudley, would you... Maybe be, we've done this a couple different times, but kind of these moments in our story where we just sort of pray a prayer, a prayer of blessing at the end of these. Um, would you be willing to, to do that for us? Sure, sure. Now, may God, the God of wholeness, who brings wholeness, enable each of us here and each person listening, may we experience the reality 
of relationship with you, God, and with one another, that we might experience true wholeness in the name of Jesus. Jesus.